PMFs, one of the most pernicious toxins you're exposed to. What can you do to remediate against it? Hi, this is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we are joined by a repeat guest, Alistair Phillips. But we haven't interviewed him for nearly six years. So welcome and thank you for joining us today, Alistair. Thank you very much, Dr. Mercola. So you are uh, an expert in this. Uh, you are obviously in the UK and you have... Uh, let's go a little bit about your background because you have a, an interesting combination of uh, professional experience in that you're have, uh, training electrical and electronic engineering and agricultural engineering. Can, so can you discuss your technical uh, training uh, and education so that allows you to have a, a educated uh, comments in this area? Right, yes. Well, originally I, I qualified in electrical electronic engineering and I thought wireless was wonderful um, back in the early 70s. And um, then I went on and did agriculture engineering and because I'd done engineering, it was mainly agriculture, plant and animal health. Um, and then in the 80s, I was involved in ethical use of technology and I was very concerned about the uh, non-lethal weapon technology that was being developed. Um, both by the Americans and by the British and by others. Um, and I then began to investigate that and found that microwaves could be really quite harmful. Um, and then I got into power lines. So, um, okay. since, well, since, let, let, me, let me stop there because the use of microwaves as a weapon. So, you know, I'm writing a new book called The EMF Extinction, which won't be out for a year. I'd like to have you be one of the experts to review it before, for accuracy. But in my review of the literature, there is this Moscow signal, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And, uh, and I'm wondering if that was, it seems like that's one of the first um, documented episodes of this. And this was for the Russians who were aiming microwaves at Americans in the Moscow embassy. Maybe you can expand on that. Uh, yeah, it really wasn't one of the first ones. The first, the first reports of uh, ill health from radio waves are back in the 1930s, in fact. Well, well um, that's the reports, but I'm talking about use as a weapon, which you kind of... Oh, right, yes, yes, use as a weapon. Well, the, the evidence on the Moscow embassy, US embassy in Moscow, was not so much they were using it as a weapon, although it had that effect. What they were doing, in my analysis of it, was energizing their bugs. They, they found, the, the US found some bugs, monitoring bugs, in the offices, and they were actually energized by beaming microwaves in. Oh. A, bit like, a bit like this wireless charging you can have now on mobile phones. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, and effectively, they were charging their bugging devices by beaming the microwaves in. Um, and... But the downside was a lot of the U.S. Embassy staff developed cancer and a number of other neurological problems. Okay, so um, it might be interesting just to delve into a little bit of the history of the use of uh, microwaves, uh, which are really extend from radar waves. And the first application of that was really, I believe, commercially was in the World War II for the use of radar. So maybe you can give dive through the history a little bit. Yeah, it was... Um some of the radar people, I think it was Raytheon was the company, um, they, they found that actually accidentally it was warming things up. So uh, when World War II came to the end, they, they actually found that they could convert this into a microwave oven to actually heat and cook things. So it was a spin-off, if, if, if you like, out of the radar from an accidental discovery that if you stood in the radar beam, you got warmed up. 
and uh, that's how it developed. An interesting anecdotal observation that I read is that many of the U.S. military uh, would actually, of uh, the uh, were responsible for radar duties, would expose themselves to that instrument before the weekend, and they had leave because they know they would be sterile. Yeah, that was quite common. The British did it. I think most of the uh, naval forces did it. They'd go and stand up on. It wasn't just radar. It was the uh, shortwave transmitters as well. They'd go and stand next to the antennas, and it, it decreased their, their fertility significantly. <laughs> and the, uh, the reason I titled my book The EMF Extinction is because this is one of the important side effects of this EMF exposure, which is not only the decrease in fertility, which is now at 50% reduced, 50% reduction. Now, clearly there's other issues, glyphosate and a variety, variety of other toxins, but EMF seems to be one of the big ones. We've got Alzheimer's on the other side and autism on the, on the converse side. So from your review of the literature, what, what, what pers how much of a factor is the EMF exposure relative to the other issues? Do you think it's the primary one? For reducing fertility rates? No, I doubt if it's a primary one. It's one of the primary ones, I suspect, yes. Uh, I think stresses, and I think um, cell phones mm -hmm. and mobile phones are a big stressor in modern life. Mm -hmm. Everybody's addicted to them, but actually it's also a stress. And, and stress, we know, decreases fertility, or tends to. Uh, chronic stress, ongoing stress. So yeah. I, I suspect it, it, it's, it's, it's as much that. And it, it's probably also diet. I think I think our diet these days is, leaves a lot to be desired. You know, sure, we, yeah. we, we've mined the fields of most of the um, trace elements now, and, and we're, we're getting very inadequate food. Yeah, no, I've been discussing that for two decades, so I don't want to belabor that point because we have loads no. of information. But we do have loads of information with people with technical expertise like you. So I want to focus on that. And I I'm sure you're familiar with Samuel Milham, who is an MD, uh, epidemiologist who wrote the book Dirty Electricity and really does a brilliant job of describing the history of establishing electric, electrical currents in the United States which started about 1880 and then spread to the big cities and then subsequently to the uh, farms. There was this sort of bimodal distribution of people who were exposed to electrical fields from about 1900 to 1950. Those in the cities got consistent exposure those in the farms had all virtually no exposure to electricity the only they had was like radio or tv waves which was relatively minimal compared to the electrical component so i and he showed some extraordinary divergent incidents of diseases of these chronic degenerative diseases heart disease cancers that were just unbelievable no one had done it previously to him i mean he really teased through the data and, and generated this and as an epidemiologist he had the training to do that so and I'm wondering from your perspective, because there's three types of EMF. There's radio frequencies, microwaves, electrical fields, and magnetic fields. And I'm wondering, you know, if, if what, as an expert that's been in this for two decades, which I neglected to mention in your intro, two decades you've been really a leader in this field, what your um, take is on the most dangerous of these? Do you think it's the electrical fields or is it the radio waves? radio frequencies i think it's all of them um I, th I think the problem is that there's good evidence that magnetic fields at low frequencies um mm -hmm. do affect biological systems 
this is power frequencies, you know, a few few cycles a second up to a few hundred or a few thousand cycles a second. There's no doubt that, that those magnetic fields affect things. Um, I'm a big believer in electric fields affecting things. Um, and, and actually, it's the whole range. Um, and when we come to, to microwave fields, mobile phone fields, cell phone fields, Wi-Fi, but the energy in them is actually quite low. The, the, it can't break a covalent bond. But because the energy is low, there are billions and billions more electrons for a watt of energy. So all our bodies are electrical. And so this, this big, enormous stream, background stream of electrons is, is hitting us 24-7. So I, I think probably in terms of a chronic health problem, it's microwave fields, it's radio frequency, modern communication fields that are the biggest problem. Oh, interesting. Well, thank you for your take on that. Now, as I said in the introduction, I interviewed you nearly six years ago. And, uh, you know, I was aware of this. I was aware of that long before I interviewed you, of the problems with exposure to these fields. But what I failed to do was really act on this action. I was guilty of failure to implement what I knew. And I thought because I was exercising, because I was eating healthy and, you know, living a good lifestyle that I was somehow biologically immune to these exposures. And that was the biggest delusion I, and, and, and unhealthy delusion I ever held in my life. And, and it really damaged me. And, it's damaged, and, and the reason I'm sharing this is because I, I believe that probably 95% of the people viewing this are in the same same. Same, have the same viewpoints, the same delusion, because they, they, they you can't see it, you can't hear it, you can't feel it. And there's a few canaries who do see and hear and feel it, and thank God they can because they're limiting their exposure to it. But so I'm wondering if you could comment on your two decades in this, if that's been your experience too, and if, if it has been, how do you get people out of this delusion so that they are able to take practical actions? Um, I don't think it's just a delusion, but it, it is partly a delusion, and that, that's one of the problems. Um, there is no doubt. I, I've had various very highly electrosensitive people staying with us here. I was trying to found a center over here, but it didn't work out. But um, And some of them have um, been doing CBD-type training and, and uh, meditation. There's, there's uh, a Gupta. Uh, a guy called Gupta, Ashok Gupta, who does some body training, re re retraining the limbic system. And there is no doubt that some of these people have gone through this here and they've gone back and said, oh, I've got my life back. Mm. Now, the problem with that interesting, is interesting. That, that it means, yes, they can cope, but they can only cope to a certain level. So mm -hmm. what, what I see with the EHS people is you can get on a downward spiral where you actually get more and more sensitive. You isolate yourself more and more from exposure and that's a bit like going into the dark or going into a very quiet room you start hearing all these extra things um that that's one extreme the other extreme is you can pretend there's nothing happening and you go on as normal and then at the end of the day you're likely to have a really acute attack of something your heart will fail or you'll have a breakdown or you'll go so there is a balance and actually um cognitive behavioral type approach of yes you need to be active you need to be doing things you need to be physically active have a good diet but also you need to minimize exposure you don't want to be holding a cell phone to your head regularly you don't want a, a wi-fi router in your bedroom or in your lounge 
Um, and there's a balancing point. And I think the problem is we've got so saturated. Um, a graph I did some years ago for a conference showed that if we go back 100 years to about 1915, we're now 18, sorry, uh, 10 to the power 18 fold more exposed to wireless signals than we were then. It is, it is, it is all, wire, all wireless signals? All wireless signals, but the bulk of them okay. that we're now exposed to are mobile communication signals from okay. cell phones, Wi-Fi. Can, um, can you send me that reference? I would love that reference because I've been searching for something, you know, a real good stat like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the reference on the graph. It was done as a poster for a conference, but it, it, it is it is genuine. It, it's 10 to the power 18 fold in increase. And the thing is that where we've put all these modern signals, the Wi-Fi and the wireless, this is a few hundred megahertz to a few gigahertz, was actually the cosmic quiet space. When we started doing radio telescopes into the universe, mm -hmm. the quiet space where we could see what was happening was about 1.4 gigahertz, 1400 megahertz. Well, the whole of that area is now, and it was quiet, there was virtually no natural electromagnetic energy on earth in that sort of frequency region and now it's the highest by billions of times it's much higher than medium wave or long wave or vhf radio everything is all piled into this um, 300 megahertz to 10 gigahertz and we're going up now with with right with 5g well some 5g a lot of 5g is a bit of a uh, a misleading thing here. Most 5G will be on current mobile phone frequencies. The mm. 28 gigahertz, 60 gigahertz, 35 gigahertz stuff is only going to be usable in short distances inside particular buildings or vehicles. Okay. The, the, the handsets that people will go around with are going to be on 700 megahertz, 900, 1800. They're, oh. they're going to be on the old cell phone frequencies. Did not know that. Yeah, but yeah. Interestingly, I, I'm sure you heard uh, that two days before we are recording this video, that uh, California was the governor of California was able to successfully veto the, the bill that would allow uh, massive in installation of 5G cell towers in California. Yes, I think a uh, victory, major victory. It's a major victory, and it will really annoy the industry. But um, it is important because it's happening all over the world. They're putting these things on lampposts and street furniture outside people's houses, and it's really inexcusable. And, and yeah. to a certain extent, I mean, it is a real difficult educational problem. The only reason that's economic is people are using their mobile devices for streaming high-definition videos. Mm -hmm. and other things. So they only do it because they can make money from it. If people mm -hmm. actually didn't do that, they wouldn't get one outside their house. And I think that's really important. Why do we need to be to, to, to view 4K videos or even ordinary high definition videos on a mobile device? You don't. And it's not even it's not even enjoyable to watch it on a mobile no. device. No. No, I, mean, I agree. It's, 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 not the, it's not the ideal format. No. So it's absolute hype. So what we need to do is to somehow persuade the average general public that this is a silly idea. They're paying for something they don't need. And in the, in the consequence of that, they're also paying to be highly exposed with these dangerous signals. All right. So we went off on a bit of a tangent there, but it's okay. It's okay. It's an important one. And prior to that, we were discussing 
the perspective, which I really value your years and decades of experience and your wisdom in this area and helping help helping us understand the, the, the variables. And I didn't really fully appreciate it until you started that. Uh, the importance of the, the microwave signals in, the, in this, those, those frequency bands, the typical cell phone frequencies that, uh, from a few hundred megahertz to you know, maybe eight or 10 gigahertz. And so that, what, that's like 80, 90% of the, the exposure is from those frequencies. Absolutely, yes. Unless you live very close to a, a, a powerful shortwave transmitter or something. For, for most people, almost all their exposure is in that region now, yes. Now, so in our last interview, which was uh, at the beginning of 2012, when I pro we probably recorded 2011, that was actually almost a full two years before Martin Paul published his landmark paper on the mechanism of how EMFs affect us. And, you know, I think, well, as a scientist or, you know, a professional with science training, I can, you know, knowing and understanding the mechanism goes a long way to helping understand the importance of remediation because it just to nebulously know, which is in our last year, it was this non-thermal effect. It doesn't damage you by heating you to some other way. But when you know the precise molecular mechanism, it makes a big deal because it makes it a lot easier to remediate. So maybe you can say a few words about Dr. Paul's research. Yeah, so I had a, I've had a few good long conversations with him. We, we talked at a, a conference together a couple of years ago. Um, just about the time, just after he brought out his calcium-gated channel thing. Uh, and that is one of the mechanisms. But actually, I think we're a long way from understanding the interaction. We're electromagnetic beings. I, I'm now, nowadays, I'm a trustee of a large UK children's cancer charity. And we've just run a, a two-day uh, intensive advanced treatment of pediatric cancer. And they're all into... Um, oh, genetic genetic anomaly, um, SMT theory of cancer. You get a genetic change and you get cancer. And what's coming out of the research is that's not the case at all. It's on your line. The, the cells are, um, the mitochondria of the cells, the cells themselves are not doing well. And then you get the genetic changes as a, as a fallout of that. Now, what we're finding is, if you look at, I think you might have interviewed him, I don't know, have you interviewed Gerald Pollock? Pollock? Fourth, state, fourth oh, phase sure. of water. Yeah. Yeah, a few times. A few times. E e easy, easy water, exclusion zone water. Sure. And, and it's a whole completely different model of how the cell functions. And the cell functions as a, a gel, if you like, but it, it, it's held together by electric charge. And the calcium-gated channels are all part of that. But actually, it isn't a membrane with a few things sticking through it. It's actually a dance, cosmic dance of charge, electric charges on molecules. And, and, and yes, um, Paul's, Paul's thing is very important, and it's probably one of the key mechanisms. But there's a whole lot of things. The fact we're throwing all these electrons at our cells, the cell is just malfunctioning because it's got so much charge. And, and to a certain extent, I think that's why some of the earthing helps. Uh -huh. Now, I've got very mixed views about earthing because if you just earth yourself you know, well i don't want i don't want to go down that road no, okay. because that that could be a whole hour and then you know there's a yeah okay you know but but i think that it i i think the my conclusion is that it, it, earthing becomes more beneficial if you're in an electrically free environment yeah exactly or 100%. As, mu as much as possible you know so i wouldn't want to ground in a dirty electric no no 100 percent. i agree with that 100 yeah. percent. yeah 
So that, but that's a long discussion. So, you know, the reason I was intrigued with Dr. Paul's discussion, I mean, to, to me, it was just beyond fascinating that you could give these animals or cell cultures calcium channel blockers and essentially mitigate most of the metabolic damage. And I'm quite familiar with mitochondrial metabolic damage. It was my, the topic of my last book. It was the whole book was written. Yes, about that. I know. I've, I've got that, yeah how to remediate it through diet. But, you know, diet, you know, I, I'm convinced now, when I wrote the book, I did, I was, I still was at the same state when I interviewed you six years ago. I didn't have a full appreciation of the EMF. And, and at this time, after I've written the book, I think that EMF may be more significant an issue than the diet. Yes. To optimize mitochondrial function. I think you're right. I think it does. And I think it's all through this charge. As I say, it, it's an enormous incoming stream of electrons. And that changes completely what the cells are doing. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the lifestyle things we can do to get people better. But <clears throat> one of my mentors, and actually the person who was able to indirectly convince me of the importance of this, is Dr. Klinghart. And, you know, he's been, in, he's been preaching this for a long time. And I forgot I was going to go with that. It'll come back. Um, but the, uh, the other thing we can do, while I'm thinking about where, where I wanted to go with it, is let's discuss some of the practical things people could do because, you know, we really like to focus on practical things and not just be some uh, ethereal, philosophical discussion. So I'll give you my take and then you can modify it, okay? How, from This is my analysis so far, primitive compared to all the research and study you've done. Uh, but it is to... There's no reason to ever have a microwave oven in your house, period. End of discussion. Get it out. <laughs> Replace it with a steam convection oven. Uh, and people seem to do the right thing by trying to put their Wi-Fi off at night. I mean, a lot of people do that, but do the, take the next step. Keep it off all the time. Wire your house. Uh, you know, obviously, limit your cell phone as much as possible. I, you know, my phone is literally in not in airplane mode, maybe five or ten minutes of the day. That's about it. And then what I think may be the most important, and, and so I'm going to give your comment on these, but also rank them in a priority so that we can have a perspective, because that's what's missing from this, people, is someone, this field is someone to give us a perspective. And I think the most important, and I may be wrong, is turning off the electricity in your bedroom at night to, so that you are sleeping in an electrically neutral environment. And there's other things you can do to, to mitigate against the microwave radiation, but if you're, if you're turning off the wireless, and your cell phone, you've done a lot because your walls stop a lot of it, unless you're in a really dense urban area. Yeah, I think I think you're you're right. I mean, the problem with turning off electricity in your bedroom is is it depends on how the house is wired or whether you're in, a, in apartments in a block of flats. Because if you've got people above you and below you, then actually turning sure. yours off it will help, but it won't be as good. Wait, one, and also, yeah, we'll go to zero. And, and also, uh, quite honestly, if you don't turn off the downstairs lighting, if you've got two two-story or more house, mm -hmm. the lighting circuits, because they tend to weave in and out of under the floors, actually put up the levels in your bed upstairs rooms significantly. Uh, mm -hmm. But yes, that's useful. Uh, I think the top top one is to avoid cell phone use as much as possible. To mm -hmm. don't use Wi-Fi. Why do you need to use Wi-Fi? Well, you do if you're an Apple user. Because <laughs> 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 no, you can you can use an iPad uh, wired, but it's a very you have to have a powered USB Ethernet adapter and a converter from the the Lightning to a USB. Yeah. So I mean, can, it's three things. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, 
it's clunky and it doesn't work as well i'm told but i don't use it but yeah. um but so yes not use wi-fi microwave ovens well i i think the evidence on food damage from microwave ovens is minimal actually uh, it does well, change I'm not the about the food damage. no no i know not yeah, but if you've got it in a, in a if, if you've got it in a utility area or something, and occasionally you want to defrost something quickly, actually I don't see it as a problem because it goes on for five minutes. It goes off. You're not standing next to it. It's not a problem. I certainly wouldn't cook with it. Um, I think well, Wi-Fi. But, 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 but the radio. Have you measured it? It goes. It, there's nothing that's a stronger source of uh, microwave signals than that oven. I mean, the, the even the safety. You know, we know from Paulsworth that the safety standards are off by a factor of seven million. So what's allowed legally is just ridiculous. I mean, I, it pretty much goes out well more than a hundred feet from when it's on. So you've got to be in three, four rooms over to be minimize your exposure. Well, it goes out to 100 feet, but I mean, by the time you're 15, 10 or 15 feet away, it isn't much stronger than a Wi-Fi signal router in the room. So I, I, I think we shouldn't underestimate Wi-Fi and cell phone. And, and a cell phone signal is actually really strong if you're going to hold it next to your body. Mm -hmm. So whereas the, the microwave thing can leak 10 milliwatts, um, it's only officially allowed to leak 10 milliwatts around the, 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 the outside of it. Uh, a cell phone it can, it can radiate two watts, mm -hmm. so you you have to put it into context. Uh, yeah, I'm not a which, is what, what I, which is what I was hoping yeah. to achieve from this dialogue. And, and 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 the bulk of people's exposure, without doubt, is cordless phones, mobile phones, and then the next one down is routers. Uh, well, cordless phones, tablets. Tablets are really high because you're holding the thing in your hand. It's got Wi-Fi mm -hmm. active most of the time. It's got electric high frequency electric fields on the screen so that when you're putting your hands out and doing things it's traveling up your arms so it's an incredibly electrifying experience and i think that the fact that they so widely used in schools is inexcusable completely and utterly inexcusable and i've yet to see any cost benefit that these technologies in schools do anything to improve educational outcomes and I'm not saying computers. Wild computers are right. Good. Yeah, they're they're conflating the issues. They're 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 integrating the computers with the Wi-Fi, and they're two separate issues. They can and, just and, do the same thing with wired. And part of that I see is is Apple, and it's not just I'm not going at Apple, but I will go at Apple with their iPads for schools. If the schools sign up to iPads, they get a really amazing deal, right? So every pupil in the school is going to get an iPad. Now, Apple are also in cahoots with the app makers that they only work, some of them only work well with Apple products. So it's a vicious circle. And so schools want to use the apps. And to use the apps, they need an Apple iPad. And then Apple get offer them this amazing bundle deal where they get an iPad for $50 or something. Um, and, and, and so it, it, it isn't thought through by the educational people. It's driven by industry trying to saturate the market with their products. Yes, indeed. Uh, and uh, that industry, maybe we can comment on that too because I'm sure you've studied it. From my understanding, uh, the telecommunications industry is significantly, maybe even an order or two of magnitude, more influential and resourceful than the pharma industry. And we know how bad or how effectively the pharma industry has been able to influence and regulate the revolving door in Washington for the 
the federal regulatory agencies. And it seems like the telecommunications is, is even better at doing it. Maybe that yes, I think it is better at the moment. I think it maybe it's just it's it's time. What happened was big pharmaceuticals have got a bad name in places. Uh, alcohol's got a bad name. Cigarettes got a bad name, and wireless came along as the big thing that governments and commerce can suddenly milk the public, put them on a treadmill, and get this income, tax income. So you pay tax on your salary. You pay tax on your on your mobile phone subscription, the industry pays tax to the government. It, it's a big booming. And, and when it first came out, it was generally thought not to be harmful. Mm -hmm. So, yes, so they are very influential. I think the influence is, is dying a bit. I wouldn't see much between them and the uh, big, uh, big Pharma, quite honestly. Um, yeah. I see well, it because... This, this, the feet of the California bill is certainly moving in the right direction. I think that was absolutely brilliant, and and I hope that that the CTI is uh, they're, they're looking at whether they can appeal it again, but hopefully they won't be allowed to. I think it's a fairly final turn down they've had. Yeah, um, hard hard to overturn a governor veto. Well, yes, but uh, then they try somewhere else, you know, and then gradually it, sure. it occurs, or the president decides that this is a good thing. Um, it, it's a difficult one, um, but certainly we don't. Now, want I want, I want to trail back to what people can do because I think that's – I'd like to keep the, the focus practical. And I can share from my own personal experience until I was able to visualize the exposure because, you know, you can't – oh, I remember now where I was going with it. I knew it would come back. When I, was, when I interviewed Dr. Klinghart, who's really catalyzed my adoption of this wholeheartedly, he mentioned, and we talked, discussed the canaries, which is about three, five, maybe even 10% of any population, people who are electromagnetically hypersensitive and do have symptoms, real physical symptoms, headaches, yeah. tinnitus, you know, fatigue. Uh, so comment was, or his take and perspective was that these are the lucky ones because we're all getting similar damage. There's the ones that, that just feel it. So they feel it and they can, they can limit their exposure. So, you know, that's, that's why I think it's so crucial. And, that, and I think that, that, that to have some type of way to visualize what your exposures are. So I, I've checked a, out a number of inexpensive devices um, and there are some pretty decent ones for radio frequencies. There's some pretty Almost all of them are pretty terrible for electrical and magnetic fields because they're just so inaccurate. They don't go low enough, and they're inaccurate when they measure it. So I'm wondering, for, you know, I've, I've got my conclusions, but I'm wondering what you you have found in your years that you could recommend for a consumer grade that maybe is $100 or $200, maybe a little more, that people can use to scurry around their house and figure out how to minimize their exposures. Yeah. Um, but as you say, there's, there's quite a selection. There's some really awful ones, but there's quite a selection of mm -hmm. RF, RF devices. Um, the, I don't know, we, 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 you were thinking of, of naming things, or would you just want yeah, to... Yeah, no, no, we can, name, we can name... I would. I mean, you could, if you want to name ones you want to avoid, that's fine. I mean, you're allowed to no, do no. It. It's freedom, no, it's freedom I, of speech. It's not like you can say... Listen, you're a professional, yeah. you're entitled to your opinion. We're not selling these things, so... I mean, people no, look I, at the I, guidance. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't um, particularly.
particularly want to highlight the ones I think there were one or two that were quite dreadful. Um, but um, the cornet meters are incredible value for money. I hate them. I don't like the use of them. I've got them. They work quite well, but I do find the display and the button pushing and the oh, it's the just the, the user interface on that is atrocious. It would be a kind description of it. Yeah, but but in so terms of a that's a good one for it's good on the radio frequency fields, but it really is a terrible for the for electrical and magnetic fields. Yes, the, the ranges don't go down low enough, and they're inaccurate when they measure them. Yeah, compared to the standard, the NFA one thousand. Yes, well, the, obviously gigahertz are, uh, solutions are, are very good meters, but they're very expensive, and they're also a bit techy. They're they're not for the average mm -hmm. person. There's a lot of lot of switches yeah. and writing and things on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've actually designed a thing called a PF5, which is a little meter that measures magnetic and electric fields, power frequency and VLF. So it picks up these nasty compact fluorescent lights and it also picks up um, uh, um, induction cooker hobs. Now, they're one of the things that I would say avoid at all costs in your house. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And the trouble is that's what's being put in all new houses because they're so energy efficient. But the fields mm -hmm. off them are extraordinarily high. And yes, they sw only switch on when you put the pan on, but it leaks around the side of the pan. And you're standing next to this RF generator um, that's heating the pan. Um, and so those, I think, the, the other thing, uh, anyway, so meters, you were saying. Yes. Yeah, so no, no, yes. No, we, but let's stop because you had mentioned you had put together a PF5, which I'd never heard of, probably because it's mostly sold in Europe. But does that also measure radio frequencies? And no, no. We, 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 my, my wee business, we, we, we avoided making wireless frequencies and power frequencies okay. in the same meter. That does put it up. But actually, people have so much trouble thinking of electric and magnetic fields that if you then put RF frequencies in there as well, most people really do not manage no. to sort out what's doing what no no so, so there's a there's a desperate need for it for an accurate and inexpensive meter so i would definitely like to get more information for the PF5 because i have yet to find one that fits i mean everything is garbage that i've looked at i would never recommend no. to anyone anyway I, I can send you some details of that um the other thing i was going to say that that, that, that we're talking about avoidance and things is most white goods now are becoming to have wireless in them. Um, Internet sorry, of most, Things. Most, white goods, you know, washing machines, fridges, freezers, tumble well, dryers. Alistair, here's the thing, and I say in my lectures, smart is a code word for wireless. Yes. This is not smart <laughs> at all. It's a code word for wireless. Um, but, but the problem is, I, I had a holiday in May this year on a remote, well, fairly, well, uh, a Scottish island off the west coast of Scotland and, and the cottage was like four miles from the nearest road um, and it was solar powered and it was all these other things and it had a super eco fridge freezer in it and I had one of my monitors on and every about every minute it was going bleeble bleeble and, and the thing had got I got a wireless thing in it saying hey I'm a poor fridge freezer come talk to me smart meter <laughs> uh. <laughs> and you, you think you've got away from it all and, and all these objects in your kitchen are, are irradiating you and I think it's completely inexcusable and it's getting difficult to buy them without them
Oh, absolutely. I think the projections by 2020 will have a trillion of them. And, and I, I just relate my experience with thermostats. I had Nest thermostat. Fortunately, it was Generation 2. And I didn't know how to turn it off. You can turn off the wireless in Gen 2. I didn't know that. So I, so I said, I'm getting rid of the one by my bedroom. There's no way I want to be exposed to that thing. So I went to buy a replacement on Amazon. And I would say 90% or more, maybe 95% of the replacement thermostats today available commercially are all smart. Mm -hmm. You cannot, it's so hard to find a non-smart thermostat. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's become so cheap and it, you don't need to wire them in. So you don't need an mm -hmm. electrician. So it, it's what everybody's selling. But it, it is increasing our exposure and they're increasing it, as you say, in your bedroom and in the kitchen and then everywhere you sit. Um, and and it, I think people are getting a bit tired of it. Over here, we've got a couple of big systems British Gas are selling one called Hive, um, Hive of all things, uh, and then there's one called Nest, but that you can control your lights and your heating from your smartphone. But actually, mm -hmm. the stuff's always on big discounts. I think they're actually having quite a trouble to get people to adopt it, because people think, well, why do I want to control my lights when I'm in the train going home, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can make a good argument to uh, control your a heating and air conditioner, but you know that's what that's what programmable thermostats are for. You can pretty much set up your schedule. Most people. Yeah, exactly. So, but but everybody's being conned into having everything, as you say, that's smart that you can control remotely. And mm -hmm. uh, no. Uh, so, what's your take on the industry as a whole and where we're at and the dangers we're being exposed to? Do you think things are getting worse or are they getting better? They're getting worse without doubt. Everything is going wireless. Um, I, I was looking for one of the, the, the things I've been developing, we've just just launched, is a little microwave alarm that you can carry around that tells you if you're being exposed. And one of the things I wanted for it was um, off-the-shelf power supply, uh, you know, mains adapter that plugs in the wall instead of a battery. And 95% of them are now switched mode and put out radio frequency fields. So they were all actually showing on the monitor just because the actual power supply was producing RF. And I had a, I had a lot of difficulty finding an old transformer type one that was quiet. Um, so everything, everything is just going noisy. So I would say it's getting worse. Um, and I, I just, you know, I, we should, the, your number one recommendation is to avoid your cell phone. So I, I had an IP phone uh, and my, our old phone was made by Polycom and I said I wanted the new one. Uh, uh, and so I put it on my desk and there was, you know, no microwave coming from up. But then I just, I got my NFA 1000 and for the electrical field. It was like 1600 volt meters. 1600 volt meters. I know. I mean, some, there's someone made a massive mistake and I switched it back to the Polycom was like two. So you, you try to do the right thing by avoiding the wireless, and then they, you're getting blasted with electrical fields. So along, uh, those, the, yeah. along those notes, you know, the, you can uh, use shielded cables to prevent the electromagnetic fields. And I'm wondering how important that is as a recommendation for fine-tuning, once you've addressed the things you mentioned earlier. Yeah, it, it's for, very important. Power cables. It's oh, very important, and the, well, the, one of the problems has been that there's been a big push, and laptops originally did it, laptop computers, big push to what they call double insulated, where you don't have an earth wire. And 95% of laptop computers and their power supplies are now earth-free. 
And you can earth a laptop. You can put it, but it's getting increasingly difficult because they're all plastic and you can't actually get anything metal on the side even to earth. Um, now, I raised this with a number of manufacturers oh, 15 years ago. And the only one that responded at the time was Dell. And Dell actually had a, a fair number of their Latitude uh, laptops actually had earth power supplies. And in fact, the one I've got here has got an earth power supply. Um, but they seem to have drifted back off it now. Now, this was driven by governments who brought in rules about if something's earthed, then you've got to um, make sure it's properly earthed because if the earth wasn't safe, you might get electrocuted. I, if the earth got broken because the, the metal, ground, the, the, ground. the ground, if the ground got broken, the ground connection, then the case could get live. So instead of that, what they've done is encase everything in plastic and get rid of the earth wire. But if you get rid of the earth wire, it's incredibly difficult to screen against electric fields because the one thing is the ground wire is what provides the screening. So most electronics now that you buy has only got two wires it's not got three wires it's not got an earth wire anymore um yeah, and, and very dangerous very dangerous yeah well it's dangerous in the sense that you can't then get rid of the electric fields very easily mm -hmm. right um and and it was brought in as a safety thing but actually i think it's a complete backfire because what it's done is give enormous electric fields on most well, they, modern Virtually no one in the tech industry understands the dangers of high electrical fields. I mean, up until recently, all of Apple adapters for their desktops and notebooks were had two prongs. And I've measured electrical fields on the Apple 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 devices, and they're like six hundred voltmeters, six hundred. And people yeah, are on these all day long. They put them on lap at six hundred voltmeters. They have no clue the damage they're doing to their body. Not no. none. No, I know. And, and they may understand the cell phones, but they sure the hell don't understand the electrical fields. No, no, and it is it is very difficult. And and yes, we did some earth laptop trays at one point, but they're too much of a fiddle for people. You could put your lap. But the the answer is they all ought to have an earth connection. Yes. Um, and a desktop computer. Most desktop computers have still got earth connections because they've got a metal chassis. Mm -hmm. So they still, in most countries, still have an earth connection. So my 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 view there was for most people is if you're at home. I mean, by all means, have a laptop, but actually use for your main computer, use a desktop computer with a proper chassis and a three three connections, including a ground connection. Or, or um, get a properly grounded notebook, because some of some of us travel and we don't have an option. So I, I think... Yeah. Yeah. So I've measured it's my, quite, notebook. It's my quite, notebook is HP and it does. It has a grounded... So if you, if you run it off the battery, it's okay. Um, HP were quite yeah. bad at one time. I'm not sure all HP products won't be that good. So yes, you need to measure electric fields and see what right. they are. <laughs> so and your device sounds like it could be a winner. I, I, this PF5, uh, how much does it cost? Um, it's about $150, I think, in the oh, states. Oh, perfect. That's that's the perfect price range, and it, and, it, and it fills a massive, important niche niche that virtually no other company is filling accurate and low sensitive because how about how low does the electrical field detection go to uh i'm trying to think what the bottom is it's five volts per meter i haven't got one in front of me i think it's five volts per meter but it's but you um, want to sleep you want to sleep less than that in your bedroom oh yes pretty high. yeah yeah i agree it is but 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 it's actually it's enough to actually see you can easily see when you're away from it you know you yeah. have to have a look at it, but 
we, we, we chose it as practical because actually it's very difficult to get the if you're getting down to those low levels you need the electrics off or you need to wire your house with screen cable and in my extension here I've, I've done it all in screened cable screen mains cable and the electric so wait, field what is, is, is what is screen cable you, you can buy a, you can buy wiring cable for houses that's got a electric screen around the outside of it oh, inside okay. so, the cable. So a shielded cable Shielded cable, yes, shielded okay. cable. Okay. And uh, in my extension, the electric field, power frequency electric field is about less than one volt per meter anywhere, unless you go right up to an electric socket or something. Wow, um, that's pretty clean. <laughs> so it, it, in, in, if you're doing that and wiring a building, I think all buildings should be wired in it. It's also fireproof cable and low halogen cable. So if you have a fire, you don't get nasty chemicals. And, and it also, the cabling doesn't catch fire if you have a problem. Um, it's like, it is dearer, but if you actually look at the cost of wiring a building, two-thirds of the cost is labor. So it might be worth spending that little bit more on the actual material. Yeah. Now, a lot of people don't know, but Chicago and New York um, are two large cities in the United States. Uh, they're the only two cities that uh, have had the, uh, I guess, the negative influence of unions that required the tradesmen and the, the commercial, not the, co the, the code, the building code, to put in all the electrical wiring in, in uh, pipe, metal metal conduit, which which totally mitigates the electrical fields behind the walls. Chicago and where? Chicago and New York. Now, interestingly, oh, yeah. yeah. Now, and they didn't do it for biological protection. They did it because they wanted to increase the fees when you build a house. But and you know, so I mean, this is the case for all commercial buildings, like hotels. They're all 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 in metal conduit. So that's why when you're in a hotel, all you have to do is pull the cords out, and you usually get the electrical fields down to zero. Except I was at, I was at a hotel this last weekend, and they had all they had built up bedboards and bolted into the wall, and you couldn't reach the outlets that everything was plugged into. I was I was maddening. <laughs> Sure. The, um, but, yes, we, we had that for hotels and things, um, and we also had it when, when electricity was brought in. In the until about 1960, all the all the houses over here tended to have those metal conduit pipes. Um, but then it, it, it was decided that with new plastic insulation, it wasn't necessary. But yes, that's a good way of wiring. It'd be interesting to see if there was any um, epidemiological work that could be done looking at certain yeah, I, things. I could talk to Sam, Sam Bilham about it, but yeah. just, uh, just anecdotally, if you, if you view the accomplishments of those cities and people from those cities, they seem to do better. There are lots of very successful people from those areas. And uh, I'm what you know. I'm happen to have been born and raised in Chicago, and, and maybe that was one of the things I wasn't exposed to these pernicious electrical fields throughout most of my life. Whereas almost everyone else was, if they were born in the 20th century, which most people were. I mean, very not many people alive born in the 19th century now. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so what? Yeah, no, I remember. I remember Sam show, showing the, the, the rise of childhood leukemia in the rural America when they started to electrify the farms. Yeah, but it's other diseases too. It's just not that. And then, then there's uh, Arthur Furstenberg uh, who wrote a book. Uh, just on my, I forget what it's called. Uh, let's see. Invisible Fields or Invisible Rainbow is what he calls it. Mm, yeah. And hard to find book. And But he goes deep in like Sam does. But he's not a, he's an MD, Arthur. 
but he has the same associations with cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes. I mean, he goes through the, all of it, and it's really fascinating. And virtually no one is recognizing this association. And that was mostly electrical fields and radio signals. It was really most of it before the introduction of even more pernicious microwaves. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it, it partly comes from the, the fact that, that physicists and engineers aren't taught any biology. Um, most doctors, MDs, quite honestly, aren't taught a lot of biology. Um, they're, they're taught about health and how to treat it, but they're not taught the fundamentals. And the well, well, well have, having gone through medical school, I can give you uh, my perspective, because I think they are, we are taught biology, quite a bit about science and biology, but it, it is a distorted view one that's heavily influenced from the pharmaceutical industry, thanks to the influence of the Rockefeller Group and Carnegie in, in 19, over a century ago, that really yeah. uh, did, directed the, the, the educational interventions that medical students would receive. And it was all about drugs, you know, all about drugs and very little about natural lifestyle. They got away from homeopathy back then. And not that I'm a big, major fan of homeopathy, but it was a more natural form of healing. They want any competition squelched. Mm. And, and, yeah. But because of that, we've got, I mean, like coming back to, uh, to Pollock's, Pollock's stuff on water mm -hmm. and the way the cell works, we haven't got the model of the cell that actually is open to the fact that we're damaging it through electromagnetic mm -hmm. fields. And, and working now with a lot of oncologists and, and, and clinical researchers into cancer and cancer treatment, they really are just hooked into when this little bit knocks against that little bit. They're not into the dance of life and how, no. the, how the cell works in a holistic way. They're just not there. They, they, they just no, haven't the, fo the focus, the focus on, is on biochemistry, not in physics. Yeah, sure. uh, not, uh, not about us as electromagnetic beings, which mm -hmm. I think we are primarily electromagnetic. We're physical. But all the chemical... The more we know about chemical interactions, the more they seem to be electric fields that govern them. Now, you know, my, my, I, I couldn't agree more. What helped me get out of my delusion was actually, I, I was a little lecture with Magda Havis, actually the same one where Dietrich inspired me to, to recognize the importance of this issue, that she had mentioned the Acousticom 2, which is a meter that you can get available for under $200 on Amazon, Acousticom 2. It measures only RF, that's it, and it doesn't have a digital display. It only gives you a flashing beep and an, an acoustical sound like a Geiger counter. And I use that very effectively to remediate my house. And when I got most, see, the, the, delude, the additional delusion most people are under, as I'm sure you're aware of, is they think everything's coming from outside. It's a cell phone tower. It's my neighbor's Wi-Fi. It's all outside of my control. There's nothing, a darn thing I can do. And the reality is that 90% of it or more is coming from your own house. There's everything you can do. So I got everything down really low, but I was still this, this background radiation could get down and I fell in that police too. I thought it was the cell phone towers and it, you know what it turned out to be? My cell phone was on, not talking. It was just on and that field measurement went out to 30 feet. And I couldn't get it down until I turned it in airplane mode. Gosh, oh, that, yeah. I, I, like that. I like that story because I, I, I actually designed the Acousticom too. Oh, I did not know that. One. <laughs> How about major, that? major kudos, uh, you know, after after reviewing about half a dozen of them, that's the one I selected. I think it's the easiest to use, and you know, maybe you can give me a feedback on this too, because it only goes down to 0.01 volts per meter, but 
at least on the, the LED lights, but but it, the sound function, I think it go down, goes down well below that because if you can get to go silent, and every need I, night I sleep in a canopy bed, and my Acousticom 2 is silent. So what is the level on uh, on that on the Acousticom 2 when, you're, when it's silent? It's about a tenth. It's about 0 0.001. Okay. But, yeah. but because it's down in the noise, we, we couldn't give a reliable reading that low. It would just be bouncing around. So we left it on the sound, the de demodulation sound, but we, we didn't feel able to be able to go down more than the 0.01 in terms of giving people a, a sensible reading. Um, okay, now maybe, you know, we talked upon those units. There's a lot of different units that, that people can use. Basically, it's volts per meter to measure the energy density, uh, and then my, milliwatts per meter or milliwatts per centimeter squared. And maybe you can give your perspective on, on those units, because it does become a bit confusing unless you're more technically literate. Yeah, well, I, I know I have a different view from most people. Um, no, I know. That's I, I wanted to hear your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think volts per meter, signal strength in volts per meter is actually what is sensible. That's what radio receivers primarily pick up and use in terms of strength meters on them. Um, the problem with power, there's two problems. One is the um, regulations talk about average power, and some meters... Um, you can really only measure power sensibly over, say, a second, because it's power. You can't just do a little click of it. Um, and also, so um, so meter, some meters that give apparently very high power readings, actually the power isn't that. That's the peak power, if they're correct. But it's not, actually, you can't compare it with anything because you don't know how long the pulse was. So the, the, the reading is, is sort of semi-meaningless. When, when, uh, when, you, when you say power, are you referring to electrical current or power from the microwave fields? No, I'm talking about power from the microwave fields. The reason okay. we, we used it originally was that it was thought that if it doesn't heat you, it doesn't hurt you. And right, therefore, the thermal, thermal, which is why everybody used power. But actually, when you come down to um, whispering and communication and can one cell body cell here another or can you hear me when I whisper actually signal strength which is measured in volts per meter electrically is a, is a better thing to measure and the, the big improvement I think is the problem with power is it goes from vanishingly tiny units to enormous sums really quickly whereas volts per meter is the square power is the square of volts per meter or related to it so if, if, if you the signal went a hundred times up, the power would go 10,000 times up. And actually, mm -hmm. most people can't really cope with very big and very small numbers. Mm -hmm. and therefore, it strikes me it's much better to have a compressed scale, not so to tear them. It's a log scale or an exponential scale. Yeah, it, it's a compressed scale, if you like. But it doesn't okay. go from lots of numbers that are very tiny to lots of numbers that are enormous. It goes okay. from naught to 10 or something. And okay, people yeah, can, can, can live with that somehow. Whereas 0 0.0032 compared with 332,560 yeah. is, is sort but of meaningless. Yeah, but even in that, in your Acousticom, now that I know the trick that you designed into it, you go to from 0 0.01, you can go up to six, greater than 6. But that's still a pretty compressed tail. I mean, that's only three orders of magnitude. Yes. Whereas where yeah. it, it would be... Um, the square of that, so if it was four orders of magnitude, it would be eight orders of magnitude. 
if, if it was power, which just makes it so much harder to read. And there's really no advantage because most of our senses are logarithmic anyway. Most of our body senses, you know, sound and light, uh, our, our eyes and our ears are logarithmic. So if you double the sound level, you don't double the hearing. You know, you don't double the so, loudness. Yeah, that's pretty impeccable logic, and I really uh, respect that, and I'm glad you had an opportunity to explain it because I hadn't heard that before. So why do you think that uh, an equally respectable company like Gigahertz Solutions in Germany has decided not to use volts per meter? You cannot get it on their devices. They've got milliwatts per centimeter squared or meter squared. And then you have to turn it over and, and read it on the back. Well, that's because they've come from an engineering background and measuring radio frequencies was always traditionally done as power if you were concerned okay. about health and safety. And okay. one, of the, one of the problems is um, that their, their meters, their better meters, actually have a switch on where you can switch for peak power or average power. Mm -hmm. But of right. course, how meaningful is that for the average person? It's, it's meaningless. They, they've no idea what power is, let alone peak power and average power and what, how the numbers vary. Um, and even um, gigahertz say that if you're, for example, measuring a, uh, uh, a continuous signal, CW, medium wave signal, for rate transmitter, AM signal, um, you get a reading. But if you're measuring with the same meter, if you're measuring a 4G signal, you might undermeasure it by fivefold or tenfold because of the way they spread the signal out with the spread spectrum mm -hmm. stuff so it, it isn't any more accurate either it, it's just how they do it and i think they've done it because they've come from an engineering background okay thanks all. all right well that, that helps thanks for ex explaining that that may be a too, bit too technical for someone watching this I mean, for most people but but it's an important point and as you acquire more information you'll begin to appreciate the the distinction that, that alistair Meters, gigahertz meters are very good. They are just quite difficult to use and know exactly how you're using them. Um, they're one of the better, more reliable meters in the world that are in a reasonable budget. Are they expensive? Yeah, as, as, yeah, as I understand, they actually hold up in the case of the court. In the court. Yes, they, they are. They are a good meter. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, whereas some of the others um, offer tremendous apparent advantages but when you actually come down to testing them they don't i i've got most meters in the world in my lab and, and a lot of them are really pretty rubbishy <laughs> uh, all right well we'll have to carry this conversation offline but um, so are there any other i mean you've been in this for decades so you've acquired so much information what if you were to give like three recommendations or closing points or you can expand, take as long as you'd like. What would you, what would you tell, what would your message be? Um, yeah, minimize exposure where you can. Be very suspicious of solar panels on your roof and feeding into your electricity supply. One of the biggest, by far, causes of dirty electricity are solar panel inverters that convert the DC from the solar panels into the electricity for the okay. house. Can we stop there? I just, yeah. spoke, I just spoke to Dave Stetzer last week. And he wrote, he wrote, a, he said that you can remediate them. You have to put a high frequency, I think 20 kilohertz filter inside the, the inverter and you could, you can stop it. So, yeah. I'm not, yeah, so, but you got to put it in there and actually 
the, the, there's got to be a movement to get these these fountains. They're pretty inexpensive. It's probably only a few dollar remediation once it's inside the filter. No, it, it's a lot more than that. Yeah, the, the filters are, yeah, and they have to be approved. Um, they are quite expensive. It, but you can get sine wave inverters as well. And the sine wave, a, a square wave inverter is five hundred dollars and the same one if it's a sine wave is about eight hundred dollars but depending on the power but i mean i'm just that's a middle sure, sure. Um, yeah. but the other problem with these is that that most people don't have the filters and they don't have the sine wave inverters so all your neighbors get your dirty electricity it goes out down the road and comes back into all the neighboring houses now, yeah so yeah. you're not only polluting your own house but you're polluting a neighborhood that's right and now there you can't put the filter because if you put the filter, and I've done it, if you put the filter on your incoming supply, it, mm -hmm. it puts the impedance of your house wiring up. So everything you've got in it that's modern, that has a switch mode power supply, puts 50 times the amount of dirty electricity onto your house supply. It, 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 because it can't... Be, the, the, in the old days, the main supply coming into your house acted as a big damper. It was a big, solid supply that, that sucked in all these nasty spikes but if you put a filter in the way the filter stops the outside doing that so you end up with a lot more dirty electricity from your own things in your house so it, it's one of the biggest issues of electrical pollution at the moment and sam millam's found the same thing he's written some papers on this oh it, it is to say it is beyond confusing is a serious understatement and and, and co highly controversial so, I mean, I, I don't know that I'll be sort be able to sort through it, but hopefully with your assistance and Sam's and Dave Stetzer's, it can at least give the state of the art of the understanding because it's highly confusing. Yeah. And it's, it, important. It, it, it's not controversial that it's, that it's dangerous, but how to remediate it, what it is, and how you do it, it's just, it's a challenge. The, the other things that I think are really, really bad are Google Glasses, virtual reality headsets, these mobile phones that, clamp onto children's heads in schools and things now to give them a virtual reality thing. The, the phone's working flat out on Wi-Fi. It's about three inches from their eyes. It's overloading their eyes with bright blue light. Um, it, it re they really are inexcusable and they shouldn't be on the market. I well, think there's, well, there's that's virtual reality. There's, of course, augmented reality too, but the, the, this, this, the case you described is the wireless, but they do have wired devices like Oculus and some of the others have wired headsets, so there's no Wi-Fi radiation at least. You know, you still have the issue of looking at the blue light through the lenses. And, yeah. You know, and, but, but it's a lot safer than the wireless. The last thing you want to do is put the lot wireless in. Actually, the one you're describing is a classic example. It's a Samsung Gear which is designed to that is really popular and I actually use it. I had an old Samsung gear because I didn't was I was arrogantly ignorant. I didn't know the danger. I said, well, now I would never do that. Um, that's, that's a good point. And I, you know, I, you know what else there? They are starting to get doctors to use them in their practice. So uh, they're radiating their, yeah, I'm telling you, that's the move. That is the move. They're going to be wearing them like all day. And the danger, not only to the doctor, but the danger to his patients when his brain's impaired because he can't think clearly from the microbe exposure. I mean, it's just crazy. Oh, so, the so ignorance is going to kill him. It's definitely going to kill him prematurely. And I mean, yeah, that, it's interesting, doctors, because the other thing is it's not that the average person can have any effect, but there's been a new report out just recently on um, power frequency magnetic fields in incubators for newly born babies. Mm-hmm. 
and they're typically 20 to 200 milligauss because of all the coils around them. Now, how, we, we knew this 20 years ago, there was papers on it, but nobody is making low, well, nobody, no hospital is changing them over. They've all got these incredible high magnetic field exposure. Why? It's not necessary. It's completely unnecessary, but there's no mindset there. We do need to somehow change people's mindsets. Exposing the most susceptible creature in the human species to that radiation is, is just reprehensible malpractice. It, it is. Really it is malpractice. And it, it, sh it needs a court case, really. To, it's sad that that's how we have to go, but government seem to be incapable of doing anything. Thank you, telecommunications industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, any other last points? No, I think that's probably, there's probably lots, okay. but I think that's probably most of it. I oh, think. yeah. Well, this is good. I want to extend my sincere and deep appreciation for everything you have done and you will continue to do. You're really a leader in this field and you. you know, you've, you've been enlightened so many of us about the important details of this and you're doing a great work. So thank you. Thank well, you. you are as well. And I, I, I really appreciate all your regular weekly things that come in. It, it's uh, yeah. And I like the fact you've got references at the bottom as well. And, uh, and I, I, I've passed them on to lots of people. Well, good. Thank you. Those kind words. Okay. Uh, well, we'll... Yeah. We, we, we need to change people's ideas and the fact that we are all responsible for our own health and safety. Big bother. Government and industry aren't going to do it for us. We actually need to take control of what we do in our lives. Yeah, that moniker I've come up with is take control of your health. And thankfully, gratefully, you can with EMF exposure. You have the yes. capacity to control your own. Most of your exposure is under your control. It's not the government. It there, are, there are directions to increase uh, uh, exposures that you don't have control over. But right now, I would say 90, 95% of it, you, you can turn off. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the good news. And you can it stay is. healthy. It is yeah. indeed.